0: Welcome back baseball fans to episode 37 of the banish to the pen podcast, a near weekly audio adventure from the website banish to the pen, a group baseball blog by fans of the podcast effectively wild. I'm your host Ryan Sullivan at natsgm.com on Twitter and the baron of all baseball podcasts this week. I am happy to welcome back uh, regular contributors to the website and uh, past guests of the podcast. I have Matt Jackson and Seth Rubin with me this week. Welcome back, guys.
1: Glad Thanks, Ryan. It's good to be here.
0: Well, uh, first, I want to start off with just congratulations, guys. Uh, both of your teams are currently in the World Series. We're uh, about to fire it up this week, so uh, first and foremost, congratulations on very successful seasons.
2: Thanks. Didn't Thanks. expect to be here so soon.
1: <laughs> Didn't expect to be here again.
0: And I think that's almost a great theme for the whole podcast is that I'm not sure anybody expected these two teams. I mean, Kansas City had a great year last year, and uh, the Mets feel like maybe it's a year early, but uh, what great magical seasons from both.
1: Can't argue with you there. I uh, I definitely I was on the podcast with you before the season, and I, I certainly sh- sold the Royals short of the season that they would wind up having. So uh, I'll I'll just start off by eating a little bit of humble pie, but I'm happy to eat it, happy to be wrong on this one.
0: Well, let me, uh, let's me let start with the way we start every week, and uh, that's with introductions. Uh, Matt and Seth, as I mentioned, you both have been on the show before, but for those who, who may have missed your appearance, uh, just introduce yourselves, where they can find you on Twitter, who you're a fan of, um, day job if you want to share, just anything you want to share. Um, we start alphabetically every week, so let's start with alphabetical. Hey, Matt, go ahead.
1: Uh, thanks, Ryan. Um, Matt Jackson. I write for... Uh Beyond the box score now, and, and Royals review on the SB Nation network of blogs. Um, find me on Twitter at Jacksontagu at J A C K S O N T A I G U, and I'm a Royals fan, and I live in Toronto. So the last two weeks or so have been been pretty exciting. Some some uh, ALCS back action in my backyard, which I didn't expect being a being a Royals fan here.
0: And you went to a game, didn't you? at One of the uh, playoff games in Toronto.
1: I did. I went to game. Uh, game four. I went to Game four. which I, was uh, the perfect one to pick. Fourteen two. Not not a bad result.
0: I was going to say, what was that like being a, a visiting fan in that game? Uh, it was
1: awesome. I actually was sitting a few ro- a few seats over from another uh, couple of Royals fans who came from all the way from um, Missouri. And uh, when Zobrist hit the home run, I was I was up. I was looking other Jays fans in the eye and cheering. And I turned to them and I was. Gesturing them to get up and, and cheer with me And and the guy um, sitting to my left Just put his finger to his lips And and uh, asked me to be quiet I guess they were a little bit nervous Being in the in the belly of the beast there with me
0: Wow, the guts of a young guy That's for sure, I love it <laughs> uh, And Seth, uh, jump in here uh, Introduce yourself to the audience Kind of the same question Where they can find you on Twitter Your fandom and all that good stuff
2: Yeah, so I can be found on Twitter At Seth Rupin um just my full name um born and raised new yorker um most of my family's from queens where the mets play so very proud mets fan as of right now first season without the whole stress of collapse in a while and without the losing so
0: well as difficult as, as it as it is to say from one nats fan to a mets fan congratulations great season and uh wow we are very very bitter i've got to say
2: yeah, looking forward to this, um, I guess, come Tuesday, to those next 70s. Hopefully the Mets will win it, but we'll see.
0: Well, and I want to, maybe that might be a good place to start, is as as I'll start with the National League. And uh, as Matt kind of mentioned off air, um, I'd love to hear, Seth, before we dive into the World Series, kind of your thoughts on the Mets taking down the Cubs in such, you know, pretty dominant fashion and, and just your thoughts at uh, the NLCS.
2: Yeah, sure. So against the Cubs, the Mets were fairly, I guess, well, the, at least the last game was mostly dominant by the Mets. But the other games, they were able to get to Leicester, able to get to Arrieta. Um, they didn't run all season. The Mets were, I think, one of the, if not dead last, and stolen bases. But they were managed to, they were just stealing bases off the Cubs left and right. They were taking, Granderson took third base, Cespedes was just taking third base whenever they could. And it was really just them finding ways to get around the Cubs and beat them um, in any way possible. They weren't having, I wouldn't say the best of games, but they just did enough to get by. Like, game three, they only won because um, what's his name, Trevor Cahill kept bouncing the ball in the dirt. And it was just so obvious that he was going to continue doing it, that although I guess Conforto still swung and missed, that the guy, that um, whoever was on third just could run home easily, and that's how they got the winning run that game. And then game four was just completely dominated by the Mets um end of the first inning I think they're up three or four nothing with so many home runs Murphy hit another home run of course and if this offensive um, can continue then I think they're in good shape
0: and you gave me a segue there I have to ask you about Daniel Murphy and his I think it's now six games in a row that he's hit a home run and and goodness it seems like he's just you know the best player on the planet right now uh one, I'd just like to ask you kind of what it's been like watching him in in this you know run that he's in this hot streak, and two, how has this changed uh, his outlook for the off season, both with the Mets and and you think his contract uh, demands?
2: Yeah, so I guess there his. I'll start with the contract. He can obviously demand more money now. Probably the Mets will now offer him the um, the deal for I guess the one fifteen six million. Um, so that way they get at least the draft pick compensation if he does sign elsewhere. Originally they were just going to let him go because they have this young guy, Dilson Herrera. I think he's 20 years old, 21 years old. They acquired him from the Pirates a few years ago in exchange for like Marlon Bird and John Buck. And so he's supposed to be the second baseman of the future, but with the way Murphy's playing, I think it would be hard to just let him go um, on this high note. Like I think fans would Fans are already. I'm just like reading all over Twitter and on Facebook. Fans are like, how can we just let him go? This is an outrage. He's having such a great year. He's Daniel Murphy. We can't like let him leave the team, but we'll see what they decide to do. I wouldn't be surprised if they let him go, especially for what kind of money I think he can get because he's good. But if you watch him during the regular season, he's never the best player on the field. He's good. He's very solid. Um, I'd say kind of like a Ben Zobrist, only that he can only play like the infield but I think he's just not good enough to, be, to get a huge contract that I think he some teams might be willing to now give him.
0: Yeah, I was surprised. I was looking up his numbers and his career stats the other day, and I think his career uh, high for home runs is 14. And you look at his numbers, and I always thought he was a better player, frankly, than, than kind of what he's put up on the back of his baseball card. Uh, that said, what do you think, what kind of money do you think in contract do you think he gets uh, this offseason?
2: Yes, yeah, so I think someone will probably give him like the fifty, some four fifty two, probably. Mm-hmm. That's my thoughts. Um, I don't see any team going over that because that would just be crazy to me if someone were to do that. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he. I think four years is probably what he'll get though, because there's no real reason of him not getting. It's not that long of a contract, at least in my opinion. So he'll be thirty four, I believe, at the end of that, which isn't that old. So. Well, I think sounds... probably four fifty-two, four sixty around that area.
0: So the chase, yeah. uh, the chase uh, Headley deal, basically.
1: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Matt Goldman actually just uh, put up an article. I think it was this morning at Beyond the Box Score, speculating on a future Daniel Murphy deal, and he was saying, uh, you know. He and Ben Zobrist are really the only two second basemen on the market this year, which could really drive up the price. He was speculating something around four years, you know, 40 to 72 million dollars, something like that. Um, so, you know, based on the dearth of second basemen that are coming up in the market, at least at least according to Matt, this article. I haven't looked at it myself, but um, I can kind of, ex- I think you can expect definitely 60 million and, and possibly upwards if, if a few other teams get a little bit desperate.
0: Wow, that's I mean, like I say, you go look at his numbers and to pay him fifteen to sixteen million a year for wow for four years mm.
1: yeah um. and he's kind of always been an across the board contributor, somebody that can do a lot of things fairly well, never any one particularly um incredible skill uh that leaps off the page so um this year, I know he didn't really steal as many bases as he had previously, so uh, it's one of those things where you know um this power outburst has been encouraging i doubt it would really cloud um a team's judgment i mean they're pretty uh, pretty savvy i think in terms of looking at um more of a ensemble of the, the previous year and couple years results but um whether he starts um transitioning to a little bit more power lower contact uh less speed type player um to maintain that value will be pretty interesting to watch moving forward i think this is going to be one of the one of the more fun cases to watch in the offseason and who would have thought that entering uh entering this postseason
0: yeah that that's a great call uh before we kind of transition and, and shift to talking the royals matt do you have any questions for seth uh particularly about the nlcs
1: uh i guess um uh, how's Suspetus's shoulder? I mean it looks like he's going to play in game one of the World Series. Um, he, he I know he hasn't been as hot as he was in October in August and August and early September, but um, what's your what, what have your thoughts been on him throughout the playoffs and particularly in the in the LCS I mean he's just he's a, he's such an interesting player and, and can be so dominant when he's on. I, I guess he's he's the guy I'd like to hear your thoughts on the most.
2: Yeah, so I guess he, he's not obviously doing having the same numbers as back in August when he was just hitting home runs left and right. Like I guess what Murphy's doing now, but he's still <laughs> been a good decent contributor. At least he's playing good defense in the outfield. He threw out I think it was Kendrick um in the Dodgers series at home plate in an important um run saving move. And then he's also p- just like played the outfield well, especially since he's taking over for Lagares who. Last year was one of the top defenders, but Lagarz this year can't seem to defend at all. he will go on, will go in um, when the ball's hit over his head. And so, <laughs> as long as Cespedes is out there, I'm much happier than having any other outfielder out there. And as far as his arm's concerned, I guess he hurt his shoulder supposedly golfing. Um, <laughs> That's probably right. not something that he should be doing uh, before Game 4 of the NLCS.
0: Not to mention, but, wasn't it freezing that day? Where was he playing golf? Good lord!
2: Yeah, he was out in <laughs> Chicago, supposedly golfing. Uh, that's that's the story. I don't have any th- real details on that, but
1: I had thought I'd heard that he had done it like doing push-ups in the dugout because the Cubs didn't have a weight room. Maybe he just aggravated doing that, or am I thinking of somebody
2: else? That I'm not exactly sure, but
1: uh, I could could just yeah. it could have been a a Twitter. Uh... Oh yeah,
2: he's yeah no, he says push-ups so it cost it, not the golf, but. Okay. Anyway, might, just be, might, golf, yeah. Yeah, might be deflecting a little bit there then.
0: There's yeah. definitely one way that I will never get injured is doing push ups in a dugout, that's for sure.
1: Seriously, what is this, the 1800s? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Seth, it, it's a very small thing, but I do want to ask you. Wasn't Lagares known as the best center fielder in baseball about 12 to 18 months ago?
2: Yes, yeah, so last year he got the gold glove, it um, was fantastic. This year, he can't play defense at all, for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, he can't throw anymore. Last year, he at least like had a decent arm. Um, he's been way... I'm not sure if they will have him have Tommy John surgery, but he's been pushing that off, or someone's been pushing that off, if he even gets that. Because he definitely needs it, because he can't throw the ball, currently. And then on every ball, at least last year, if he made a mistake, I think... I'd seen that last year, he didn't have the best... Um, like precision towards getting the ball, but he would still always run down the ball. Hmm. This year, he's just not as lucky. So this year, he'll make a mistake, So, but then the ball will actually go over his head. So he's just not having the same luck he did last year. And that's cost the Mets multiple times this season, where the ball will just go over his head due to poor defense. It's not as bad defensively as Kadir is in left field so that we saw during the Dodger series where Kadir just couldn't even find the ball when it was hit <laughs> towards him, but... <laughs> and I would just hopefully have an outfield of as Granderson, Hank and Fordo and just be happy with that.
0: Well, that's uh, certainly not a bad way to go, that's for sure. Um, let's see, Matt, maybe I'll switch it over to you now and let's uh, maybe get your take on the ALCS and, and your Royals taking it in what, six games over Toronto?
1: Yeah, well, um, I uh, I had written an article um early on in the series, just what it was like, I think just before the series came back to Toronto, but what it was like to be um, a Royals fan in Toronto. And um, I mean, on a personal level, the series is kind of defined by that, um, the relationship between the team I root for and the city that I live in. Um, last year, uh, when the Royals were you know, storming through the playoffs and, and all the way to the game seven of the world series, I was getting uh, like tons of phone calls from friends and family, all very excited uh, for me, you know, being a Canadian and, uh, and living in Canada, I don't really know any other Royals fans. I made a couple friends on Twitter this year of, of, people that live in, in the city that root for the Royals, but I just didn't really know anybody else that cheered for the same team I did. So um, I was kind of the Royals fan that people thought of when things were going well. So <laughs> I had a lot of well-wishers, um, last season and then and then even during the first half of the season and then when um, the Royals had that benches clearing incident with Toronto on uh, I think it was August 2nd um, when Sanchez tried to hit Escobar and then successfully hit Escobar after the Jays had been working in and hitting some of the uh, the Royals had been working in and hitting some of the Jays batters uh, things just really changed and you know um, it was still playful rivalry between um my friends and family that that are baseball fans and root for the jays but it was i was pretty nervous for this series i didn't feel great coming into it i mean the jays are just the best team in baseball um on a whole this year just crazy deep lineup Uh, price and stroman were you know arms to fear uh coming in they the bullpen was weak er than you know maybe some of the other bullpens in the in the playoffs particularly on the left with left-handed relievers um but i i don't know i just i was really feeling like i'd get my face rubbed into it and then going up 2 nothing felt pretty good and then i was at uh I was at game 4 when they went up 3-1 with that 14-2 drubbing and that was just i mean so much fun to be at but even uh after game 5 i, just, I felt nervous about it and it just seemed like the Jays had all the momentum and not that that's even really something I believe in but you when you're I'm just not a rational fan when it comes down to this playoff experience so um, I mean on a whole the Royals did it by just continuing what they do making a ton of contact um, playing uh, good defense I wouldn't think the defense was exceptional this series I mean there were some great plays uh, the Escobar diving catch um, to make that double play and uh, can't remember exactly what game it was. Game three, game two. Um, but uh, you know, the Jays' Pilar and Revere were out there, just kind of really patrolling the center field and left field. So um, I think the Jays, the Royals, did it just by you know making a lot of contact, um, some some timely hits, and and uh, and well, from what Verducci reported in Sports Illustrated, just really great advanced scouting and, and preparation by um, the third base base coach, Mike Jershel. Um And that's the type of stuff that I, I don't know, it's just it's so uh, exciting to hear about is just those little details that wind up winning the series. And, you know, there's, I'm sure, examples um, from either dugout of, of what they've done that was, um, you know, kind of, I'm sure every team has similar, uh, little facts they're feeding their players but when they turn um out to be the ones that the series hinge on and then they come out in the media afterwards i don't know i'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff i love hearing about that so i guess that that rambling is is my thoughts on the world uh, on the uh, alcs uh,
0: well i got to get your take on david price and what uh manager john gibbons was doing with him most of the series and now what and before we jump ahead to the, to the world series just what was he doing with price
1: um, well, I mean, Price in his first game pitched great. I think he got like eighteen straight outs at one point and then just collapsed um in his last inning of work. Um and then in uh in game five, uh really looked like um Gibbons wanted to bring him in. Like he had him up and warming and, and you know, there was the, those reports that uh after the two fly balls in the sixth inning that he um was thinking pretty hard about bringing him in for Estrada then, and then um, if Hosmer had reached and, you know, would have had two base runners in the seventh inning, that he was he was going to bring Price in, and then, you know, possibly could have moved uh, Strowman up a day and pitched Price in a game seven. But um, it seemed, I don't know, Gibbons, I don't think he's, um, he, maybe, is he the new Ned Yost now, after <laughs> the way he's handled Price? Uh, I don't know. It seemed... Bizarre to um, for a manager, and he was saying things about you know thinking about his free agency and not wanting to to destroy his arm going into free agency and, and considering that. And I mean, that's a great sentiment on a personal level, but this is kind of what you brought him in for was to pitch as many innings as he could in the playoffs to win a World Series. And uh, and you know when you get traded to a contender, it's kind of the understanding of what's going to happen. And I mean, prices are workarounds. He's a work, 220 30 40 inning type of pitcher he's got the frame to support it I just I, I it seemed just absolutely bizarre that he was handling it the way he was and
0: well um and, and to build off that Estrada was dealing I mean I believe it was four or five nothing it, you know Kansas City was ahead and he was like I said I mean he was throwing the heck out of the ball and he was you know under 90 95 pitches when at the end of the seventh I believe I mean I I didn't understand it
1: yeah maybe Gibbons is a firm believer in the times for the order penalty. Um, I know that doesn't necessarily depend on pitch count. I was reading a little bit about that over the weekend, just thinking about article ideas for things that I wanted to write about, and it was already taken, so I just enjoyed the article that I read, but it doesn't see, pitch count doesn't seem to have an effect on times for the order penalty. It's, you know, third and fourth time through, you're going to get hit hard, whether you've thrown 50 pitches or 120 pitches, so um, it could be that he was thinking about something like that, but I just... Uh, it, honestly, it just seemed like he didn't have confidence in him. It seemed like he wanted Stroman or Estrada out there. Um, oh, sorry. It seemed like he just wanted Stroman in the next game, no matter what was what was happening. And it, he showed that he didn't mind pitching Price in a blowout either in the ALDS, and that was even more bizarre than thinking about bringing Price in, in game five of the ALCS. So, I don't know. I think maybe uh, he and Anthopolis will I'm guessing they'll have a long talk about um, you know, oh, He'll, maybe he'll tell uh, Anthopolis about what he wants in a bullpen, <laughs> and uh, Anthopolis will tell him how to use it.
0: Uh, Seth, uh, you have any questions for Matt? Yes,
2: yeah, so I was just thinking about the bullpens, at least, as far as the Mets is concerned. So they at least have some issues there using starters. How is the Royals bullpen working so far this uh, postseason, especially since Holland went down?
1: Uh, you know, it's. Overall they've still the bullpen was deep enough to support this. Now, if you had asked me, um, in the eighth inning on uh Friday night, I would have said like why we need him? Um, but he, um, you know, Madsen has struggled in this playoffs and he'd struggled against the Jays earlier this year, but he's still, you know, he pitched, um, I think, the most innings out of any relief pitcher on the Royals this year. Um, he strikes out a ton of batters. He's good. Like, he's good like he was when he was with the Phillies closing out games. Um, uh, and then, I mean, Davis and Herrera are just, they're incredible. It's, um Herrera is, um, was incredible in gra- game six with the strikeouts. Davis recovered um, with a little bit of help from his, his friends in black in game, uh, in game six in the ninth inning. Um, but then they've also got um, Chris Medlin, who's coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Danny Duffy's in the bullpen. Franklin Morales is, I mean, he's not... an he's not a shutdown arm but he's he's good out there um, and you know I'm not sure if Chris Young or Chris Medlin will be the ones to start in the World Series I'm kind of guessing it'll be Chris Young after the way he's perfor- after the way he performed in the ALCS but um, I, the bullpen's deep it's it's certainly not a concern um, for me as a fan anyways going into the ALC uh, going into the world series I mean uh, hopefully I didn't jinx it. I don't think I have that power but um that I, it's, it's still a strength I mean would it have been better with Holland yeah but I mean he was pitching with a shredded elbow all year and uh he he wasn't what he was um for much of the year anyways. so they've been getting by this year with a they got by this year with a closer with a like a 3.3 3 or 3.5 ERA um and uh and so you know it's probably better that his arm completely went when it did so that they could uh get davis into the role um for the world series and move everybody up a rung
0: anything else seth
2: no i think that's about it um i guess once we start to talk about the world series i have a few more questions on the Royals, but yeah
0: and i think that's a perfect transition thank you uh seth perfect um I guess maybe I will uh, stick with you or start with you, Seth, and and look at it from the Mets' perspective, uh, looking towards the World Series. Um, let me just give you the floor. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, so I think since the Mets are finally in the World Series, I think it will just be important to see how their starting pitching matches up against um, the Royals. So the Mets, obviously, their starting pitchers should be, for the most part, I believe, better. Um, but we've know how they've they did very well against the Cubs, I think, basically because the Cubs have the highest strikeout rate in the league at like 25% almost. Whereas I'm looking right now, the Royals have the lowest strikeout percentage in all of baseball at only 16%. So I'm not sure how that will affect the Mets, but and also playing the two games in the AL, um, not sure how that will impact them also with the DH because since they're not used to it, I guess we won't have to see any more of them trying to bunt the ball because that's it. Joke to try to watch the Mets bunt the ball. Um, yeah, um, Harvey never bunts well. DeGrom never bunts well. Yeah, Terry Collins still goes to it instead of swinging away. But I would just be interested to also see how, how the Mets will utilize the DH. I'm assuming against righties they'll go with Duda and against lefties probably someone like a Kadair will do it or a Ribe if assuming he's back. So hopefully the Mets can just continue their um, hot streak I guess. Um, and play like they did against the Cubs and against the Dodgers into the series against the Royals. Um, I'm assuming Murphy will not hit a home run every game, but hopefully still they'll be able to get by at least.
1: (laughs) Those are two really interesting points. I'll start with the... uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the pitching for the Mets first. Um, I mean, yeah, they're a dominant rotation, and they are certainly one to be feared, particularly when you can distill it down to... The top four, and I don't know if um, Cologne will be on the roster out of the pen or if if he'll be left off. But um, the Royals are, uh, I think the Mets are the hardest throwing rotation possibly in the big leagues, too. I think they might have the highest average fastball velocity. Um, But that's. the Royals are a really good fastball hitting team, so I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. They're, the Royals don't walk. I wouldn't expect. I don't think they're going to draw many free passes against this team, but they also don't strike out. There was a great article on Fangraphs where Jeff Jeff Sullivan talked about um, the Royals kind of being the best contact team of all time, and I think it's going to come down to BABIP for BABIP, um for for the Royals' successes. Um, I mean neither field is particularly homer friendly i know city field the fences moved in a couple of years ago and uh, and i was i was actually at city field in 2013 to see the royals play the um, the mets and i, I saw um, the uh, the justin maxwell um, game it wasn't walk off obviously but game winning home run um, in uh, in in there, and so you know, I've I've seen Royals players that don't hit a lot of home runs hit home runs in City Field, but um, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a at least from the Royals' perspective, there's going to be a lot of base runners. I think I think they're um, going to get their share of hits, um, and it's just going to be whether or not they can time those hits. I I don't expect a lot of a lot of home runs um, from them and it would just be you know in, against the Astros the first few games they really had trouble sequencing their um their hits and and getting players around and there was lots of runners left on base lots of runners left in scoring position so the key for them is is you know just continuing to pay, play this baffling version of baseball that we're starting to call the Royals Royals ball where um they get on base uh, hopefully wreak havoc with the the speed that they've got um make head, heads-up decisions on the base paths and, and have a few well-timed hits. I think that's going to be the key. Uh, I th- um, and I, I think the Mets rotation um, uh, is, is scary, but of all um, the skills to possess with, the, with having these great fastball pitchers, um, I think the Royals are well-equipped to challenge them there. So I, I don't expect them to be, to be shut out or, or dominated in the batter's box that way. Um, and then, oh, so, Seth, what was your second point again?
2: I've, I've been rambling again. I think it was more, I think it was still, again, about, like, the strikeout rates and, yeah, how the oh, Royals okay. will react to that. But,
0: Seth, can I get you to comment just on, on the first point is how do you think the matchup of the Mets pitchers against the Royals, the hitters, how do you see that?
2: Yeah, so, I think the Mets, I think, because I believe Schwarber was also, like, one of the big strike was one of the big um, fastball hitters also and we saw that he did hit, hit a few out um, against the Mets but I think if we could just somehow like maybe mix with the pitches which mix with their pitches because the Mets can work in a few nice curveballs and changeups here and there like they did against the Cubs and also against the Dodgers and I think then they can actually be really good as long as they can get some pitch balls um, uh, luckily we won't have to deal with the TBS pitch tracker anymore but so as long as we get some good pitch calls um, during the series and they are able to like hit the corners and um, get the pitches they need, then I think they should be fine. But like he was mentioning, I am concerned about how the Royals don't strike out a lot and are basketball hitters, because if that's all the Mets throw, and we saw that DeGrom against the Dodgers had a really off day, but yet only gave up two runs in the first inning. So I don't think the Royals would have that same, um, bad luck like the Dodgers did against the Mets.
1: I do remember the second boy now, now that I've considered it. I've gone, I've rolled back the tape, Ryan, and it's the DH that uh, I think Seth was talking about. That, oh, yeah.
0: That's a great point. Jump in, please. Uh,
1: yeah. And uh, I think that's going to be really interesting. I, I'm ex- I'm uh, excited to see what the Mets do with that opportunity, um, you know, with the Royals having home field advantage. Vote Omar. Yeah. Um, uh, in, the, in the World Series, it's going to be interesting to see what the Mets do there. But I also think it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the Royals do in um, New York. I mean, the fourth rotation spot is the one I was discussing before and, and saying not no, that I didn't really know if they'd have Chris Young in the rotation or um, Chris Medlin, and I just speculated that Chris Young would get the spot. But a reason that they might want to consider uh, Chris Medlin is, A, um, he has a much smaller strike zone. Than Chris Young does, and B, he's uh, he's a switch hitter too. He's one of the last. I, I wrote an article about this last offseason. He's one of the last um, switch hitting, hitting um, pitchers in the league, um, and he's he's not a switch hitting pitcher in the mold of uh, Carlos Zambrano, who could crank bombs from both sides of the plate. Um, but he he's he takes pride in his in his batting, and he likes to do it a lot. So I'd be interested to see if that. Um, is enough to win him the start in a city field having somebody who's um you know i know chris young's played with the padres and well pretty much with everybody else in the league and he's had his share of opportunities to swing the bat and i'm not completely familiar with his approach but i do know that um medlin is he's he's a guy that can hit he was advertising himself on twitter as the new royals dh when he signed with the team um so i'll be uh i'll be interested to see if if you know that marginal advantage is enough to get him the start. He does have one career home run. He's not, he's not Zach Granke or or Madison um, Bumgarner with the bat, but he uh, he he, he's, he takes pride in, in that part of his game. So I, I wonder if with the fourth game coming in New York, um, whether or not he'll uh, he'll get a chance to to swing the lumber. Maybe maybe that'll be enough to, to swing the t- tide in his favor and and get him the start.
2: Yeah, so I hope the, I think the Mets will at least go with probably a Reap, or Duda, as I was mentioning, and so hopefully with the DH, it will give the Mets an extra bat in the lineup. Um, but I think they'll be good, and yeah, like you said, the Royals mm-hmm. will probably go. I just don't have experience at hitting, hitting, but the Mets pitchers can't hit either, so.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that'll give them. Um, you were lamenting Kad- Kadier's defense in um, in right field, and and maybe this will give them a chance. The Royals, uh, the Mets, a chance to uh, to you know field a more versatile defensive lineup to um, combat the Royals' you know sp- sp- contact hitting approach.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a good point. So then they can put out there who they want instead of just. Having to force like a Dyer out at left field, or even um, Duda at first, they could always give him a day off and just let him swing the bat if they want.
1: Yeah. So, um, Seth, I'm curious to know who, who's. I mean, uh, if you had to pick a couple players on the Mets who this series is going to hinge on, um, maybe you know a superstar and a somebody who's maybe a little bit less heralded
2: that you think that this series is going to hinge on. Who,
1: who do you th- who do you think those are going to be?
2: Yeah, I guess, at least for as batting-wise, is, I'd be interested to see what Cespedes does, I guess, since he, he does have the shoulder soreness. See if he's able to at least like help out. Um, I would say Murphy, but he's probably the obvious option. Instead, I'd probably look for someone like Wright or Flores, because neither of them have been particularly good so far in the postseason. Well, Flores has only played since Tejada got taken out badly, but I think if, if Wright or Flores can get at least going again, then I think the Mets have a chance. Um, Pitching-wise, it'd be interesting to see if DeGrom at least has his stuff because if he just doesn't have it, then I think the Royals will be all over him. Um, and also, see how Matts pitches because Mets, against the Cubs, he pitched decently, but I don't think he pitched that well, whereas when he had first started with in the season, he was very dominant in his two starts that he had before he went on the DL. So... I think it'll come down to um, someone such as Wright and Flores and also Cespedes and then probably also Mets. And then also the Mets bullpen, whether they use Bartolo Cologne or Nice or uh, Tyler Clippard. See how those guys go.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, from the, I, I mean, back to the Mets rotation, it'll be interesting to see how, I mean, it's a young rotation, not young, young. They're not, uh, they've all kind of had their time in the minors to build up their pitch counts and, and all that kind of thing, and get a seasons full of innings under their belts. But you know, with Harvey coming off of uh, of a of a year's absence, with Tommy John and and young guys like uh, Syndergaard, um, I'm just I guess I'll be curious to see how their arms continue to hold up as they play baseball um, later into the season than they ever have before.
2: Yeah, especially with Harvey, because he's over his innings limit that he was supposedly given and we all know the drama that occurred around that (laughs) with him and boris and i think now there's insurance that's been taken out on his arm because of that but yeah we'll see how they're able to hold out because i think that's probably what has been going on with the is that he's been pitching more than he ever has um luckily matt hasn't really pitched that much this year so he's probably not really an innings thing it's more about him being able to stay healthy
1: yeah what was it? it he was out in late in the season was it shoulder
2: yeah, I think it was, like, shoulder, also back problems. General body just, soreness? Yeah, just yeah, general body issues in general. <laughs> so, yeah, he was out until, like, uh, I think the end of September, from July to September. So it's not like he's had as much experience to get to here as the other guys have. So luckily he's well-rested. So,
1: But he can swing the bat. Maybe he'll DH in city.
2: Oh, yeah, sure. He can. He can. <laughs> His- his first outing was quite exciting. Watching him continue to like get base hits all over. So, yeah, yeah. if they need a DH, him or also probably Degrom. Degrom can still swing the bat. He was a shortstop in college, so hmm. he can still hit it.
0: All right. so uh, Final question. Uh, what is your biggest fear going into this uh, I- into the seven game series uh, for your Mets?
2: Uh, I think just how the pitching, if making sure the pitching will hold up. So that is the strength, but at the same time. I think it's no um, shock to anybody that everyone knows that they have, that they're all very young, they all of their innings limits. And also since the fact that they all kind of throw the same thing, the same fastballs um, with some stuff mixed in, but I'll just be interested to see how the Royals react to the, this kind of pitching staff um, since they are fastball hitters, as Matt had mentioned.
0: All right. Uh, let's transition and flip it around. Uh, Matt, I know you've talked a little bit about this series now, just kind of asking Seth questions, but I'd like to give you the floor now if I could and just have you talk a little bit about the Royals.
1: Sure. Well, um the Royals rotation, I guess for me is it's kind of the polar opposite of of the Mets rotation. Not that they don't throw hard and not that they're some of them aren't young, but um I just it's not a piece of the team that I have a ton of confidence in. Um you know, uh, Johnny Cueto, pretty famously, has uh, is disappointed as a royal. You know, for the most part, he had an incredible game in Game Five of the uh, of the ALDS against Houston, and he, you know, willed them or propelled them into the ALCS against Toronto, um, where he promptly fell on his face, and um, you know. <laughs> gave up like eight runs in less than three innings so um I guess and Ventura's um there's a great article by I'm just gonna quote everybody's articles about the, I don't have any original opinions um but Eno know wrote a great article about um what Ventura did to um to improve his, his, since his demotion um to the minors right before Vargas blew his elbow out and they called him up the next day um but he's uh he's dropped his arm slot a little bit and um that's really been uh, what it looks like was the key to the turnaround in this season and kind of uh, his he seems back on track to be um, I don't think he'll ever be a superstar pitcher um, for anything other than his awesome attitude on the mound and willingness to mouth off to guys who are you know twice his size and/or age leaper I'm looking at you um, but uh, I think that you know he's gonna be a key um, has It seems like he's throwing harder. I haven't actually looked at the numbers, but you know he's up, running it up around uh, 96, 97. But he just the sixth inning has been his kryptonite. He just um, he he's both in uh, game one and game five. He uh, just had real problems with his command. And um, game one he managed to get out of it. Game five uh, he didn't. So I think his ability to um, control his uh, his demon, the walks, will be will be a key. Um, And then, you know, the fourth starter is going to just need to be somebody who can come in and and, uh, keep the Royals in it. Whether that's Chris Young or Chris Medlin, um, either of them can come in and pitch a great game. Um, In terms of of fielders... uh, I think Kane is going to be a big key to this series um he's going to have a lot of room in both stadiums and in center field uh, particularly in Kaufman uh, he came into the playoffs nursing a bit of a sore right knee he had a bit of a bad bone bruise um and I it, to be honest it, it, it could have just been where balls were hit they just were hit a little bit out of his incredible range but he didn't Quite seemed to have the that extra step that he he had last playoffs. He wasn't making those um, incredible diving catches in the outfield um, and kind of playing like he had the world on a string. That seemed to be Kevin Pilar in in the um, ALCS. So I'll be interested to see if if his defense can come back around. But um, going first to third on that uh, Hosmer single to score the winning run in Game Four was you know it, it was something that um, I think gave at least me as a fan confidence that maybe he's turned the corner, of course he sliced his knee open, sliding into home plate, and maybe that'll be a whole new issue, but um, I think he's going to be a real key, um, and Escobar, I mean, man, what an ALCS, and he's, uh, we call him shortstop Jesus for a reason, because he makes all the plays over there, um, and uh, and he was making them at the plate, too, I mean, it's it's hilarious, I'm, I'm excited to see what matt harvey does with him on the first pitch of game one of the world series whether he just you know buries in the dirt or throws it 10 feet high and and gets escobar to swing because um i mean players in both club clubhouses are are laughing uh are laughing at alcidas escobar's approach at the plate especially in the first at bat of the game um and then i guess finally sal perez i mean he wasn't worked to a nub quite the way he was um in 2014 but he still logged more time behind the dish than any other catcher this year and um i mean that donaldson backswing that um smashed him in the hand uh, i mean that's he's he's that's got to be taking its toll hopefully it's he's got some time to rest up but he's he just every game he's taking um balls off the chin um and he's just so big back there i mean I'm six-five, so I know what it's like to get down in the crouch at that size. But I'm also like 165 pounds. Like I don't know what it's like to walk around and be six-five and 250 pounds or 240 pounds, or however big he is. I think he's 250. Um, he's he's big, big dude. And um, I I'll be interested to see. He he had a great um, ALDS. He had a bunch of home runs. I think he had the team lead in OPS. Uh, he had some gastrointestinal issues and a car crash, and he's managed to make it through all that stuff to hit three home runs and draw two walks. And he did hit a home run in the ALCS as well, but towards the end of the series, um, he looked like the old Sal Perez, who was just willing to swing at anything. And um, I think he's he's going to be the other key. He's just got to tighten up his approach at the plate a little bit, um, focus on... You know, the strike zone. I'm not even looking at a pitch. Like, don't even focus on a pitch to hit. Just focus on a pitch that seems like it might be coming in the vicinity of the catcher's mitt. Um, because, uh, he's just, he's back to his old free swinging way. So, um, I love the guy. Um, and he's, he's great behind the dish, um, calling games. I mean, he's not necessarily considered a good pitch framer at all, but, um, if he can, if he can uh, put it together at the plate as well, I think he's going to be kind of the third key um, for the Royals position players for me.
0: All right, Seth, jump in. You have any questions for Matt?
2: Yeah, so I think how have Kane and Dyson... So last year, I guess they were the key X factors, as people would call them, for the Royals in the playoffs. Have they still been running as much as they were last year? And if so, do you think they'll continue against the Mets, and especially against like his arm?
1: No, um the Royals haven't <clears throat> been kind of stealing bases the way. I mean, and the steals were especially prominent in the uh in the wild card game. I mean, they were they were running all over teams um uh in in the subsequent series as well. This year it's just, they haven't been stealing as many bases first off. And they haven't been attempting as many steals. The other change from last year is um Kane was, uh, sorry, uh, Dyson was Nori Aoki's um, defensive substitute. So Nor- when Nori would get on base um, in the late innings, um, Dyson would come out and run for him, and then he'd go play right field. And then between he and Kane, um, they just hoover up everything that was hit out there. This year, it's been different. Well, first of all, um, while um, Alex Rios has, you know, he's he's had a couple really big hits. He's just, he's not the on-base kind of infield hit machine um, that Nori Aoki was. Um, so there's just not as many opportunities in late innings to make those um, pinch runner slash defensive substitutions. And also when they do substitute for Kane, uh, for Rios late in the games, uh, they've been choosing um, Paolo Orlando rather than Dyson. So Dyson just hasn't seen as much time. And um, in terms of pinch running, that's uh, Dyson has gone in uh, as a pinch runner, um, and stolen a base, I think. But it, he's no Terrence Gore. So Terrence Gore has been, he's the, the, the famously the, um, speed demon that they keep in, in the minor leagues to bring up in, in September and for the playoffs. And he's the guy that's getting the key pinch running situations. Um, so, um, Dyson just hasn't been getting in the game as much simply because, um, the Royals, uh, the, Royals the, the situations just haven't presented themselves, and it seems like um, the depth chart's changed a little bit. So orlandos he's got a good arm uh, out in right field. Um, he's fast, too. He can cover a lot of ground. not I'm not sure who the better fielder is between them, to be honest. I'm not, not a scout. I just don't know. But it certainly seems that um, Ned Yost is preferring to keep Paolo Orlando's um, better bat. Um, in the lineup for for possible late late inning at bats, rather than having Dyson, who's um, I would say more of a liability, uh, more of a bunt for a hit um, type guy than than Paolo Orlando is. Orlando's a doubles and I mean he hit like five triples before he had another type of base hit to start the year. He's a, he can hit for extra bases, whereas Dyson's just not really that kind of player.
2: Okay, yeah, interesting.
0: Anything else, Seth?
2: I think that was about it. I'm kind of at this point, though, kind of scared about the Royals. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I uh, hope I
1: haven't come off as overconfident, because uh, I I I'm not. I I think that, um, you know, the Mets. while the NL East wasn't the strongest division in baseball. Um, they were. They had a great season, and they didn't fluke into it. They've got the pieces there um, that make it seem pretty legitimate. I mean, um. I think there's bats in the lineup. Duda can get hot, and he could be the Daniel Murphy of this series. Um, David Wright playoff magic could be um, around the corner and in store for us. I mean, I, if I wasn't a Royals fan, I'd love the story that he's in the World Series. I'd be rooting for the Mets just for um, uh, just for David Wright, just kind of being excited that, um, you know, with... His spinal stenosis, the medical condition that he was diagnosed with earlier this year, it's a great, great story, and uh, and I know, like I remember last year going into the World Series, it was finally a series that the Royals were favored to win. I mean, um, against the Giants, and and you know, uh, Hunter Pence turned out to just get hit every <laughs> single time he came up, and Pablo Sandoval did the same, and Madison Bumgarner pitched half of the innings and destroyed them. So I certainly I, I'm certainly not overconfident um, in the Royals coming in. I, I don't hate the matchup, but um, I think at this point in uh, over seven games um, against a good team, anything can happen. I I sincerely, sincerely hope that it comes out the Royals' way this year. Um, last year was tough. I mean, at the end, it's just sports, and, and um, this isn't the kind of thing that, you know, it's not going to make or break my year uh, or even probably my week once the series is over. Um, but it, it would be, it would be awesome to see the Royals take it. Um, and, and I, and I hope they do, but uh, the Mets are no slouch. So uh, I think we're in, I think we're in store. We've got some good baseball in store for us. I think there's going to be storylines galore. And, and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm excited to watch it happen. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, go Royals! I guess is, is all, I got, all I have left to say.
0: All right, Matt. Final question that I'll that I'll ask you is just you've touched on a few, but what is the biggest concern you have going into the seven game series?
1: Oh, biggest concern. Hmm, that's a good one. I guess. Um, I, I guess just that the bats go cold. I mean, that. They start hitting them at people rather than to the gaps. And when you rely on the contact approach, um, you know, the baby, baby gods can smile on you or, or, the, or they can turn their back on you. And uh, I think that um, a team that doesn't have the home run threat, um, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what the variance looks like for the two teams. Maybe that's a good article from probably somebody who's already written it. Um, but when you've got the chance to, you know, hit one out with every at bat, or the or the pretty solid chance to hit one out with every at bat. Um, you feel less out of it. The Royals, on the other hand, they've had some. They've come back from the score that, um, in Game Four against uh, against Houston. I think their chances of winning the ALCS at that point dropped to like below one percent or something like that. I saw I saw a great um, tweet that somebody had put together a graph of their probability. Of reaching the World Series, and it was really low. And then they had—they—they they, they needed an error by Carlos Correa and just a miraculous inning to get through it and, and force a Game Five. So, I think that when um, the stakes are so high, and you have a team with um, such a unique skill that we really don't know how um, how how stable it is. I mean, this is a, a, there's never been a team like this before. They don't really have. have here in terms of just a purely contact um, a pure contact team so I'll be I'll be uh, I'll be really interested I guess that's my fear is is can they keep this going can the Royals magic last another season they've challenged a lot of the things that kind of I've grown to embrace as, as someone who likes the analytical side of baseball um, and so I guess part of me is just waiting for that um, waiting for that other shoe to drop and for them to, um, I don't know, become the Royals that everybody thought they'd be to start the season.
0: All right, guys, it's prediction time. Uh, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Uh, I'll start with Seth. Uh, prediction on the series.
2: I guess, not sure if I actually will believe what I say, but I think just as a Mets fan, I have to keep believing in the team and that they'll keep doing it. So I think I'll just go with Mets in. let's go six games.
0: All right. Matt, same question.
1: Uh, Royals in six. I can't take another game seven. Ryan, um, it, <laughs> I think that game seven last year took a few years off my life. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that the Royals take it in six, six this year. And it's again, it's just it's more wishful thinking um, than anything else. I just, I, uh, game seven, down a run, tying run on third, Salvia so at the plate. I don't want to do that again.
0: All right, I'm going to take uh, the Royals in seven, because I simply am just not allowed as a Nats fan to pick the Mets. So, sorry, guys.
1: So, good, good man, good man, Ryan.
0: Yeah, at least I'm loyal, if nothing else. So, uh, <laughs> But, guys, uh, I think this is a good wrapping-up point. Uh, I, I thank you both for joining me uh, this week on the show, and I want to give you a spot once again to just where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work and your writing, and uh, anything in between. Uh, we'll start with Seth. We started with Matt the first time. So, Seth... Uh, Essentially, say goodbye.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you guys can find me on Twitter at Seth Rubin. Um, so just my name. Um, work would be at Banish the Pen. I should have up probably a couple of pieces this week, and I'll be in center field, sitting with the Seven Line Group Game Three, and if there is a Game Five of the World Series, so if anyone's out there, I will be there.
0: Definitely, you got to throw some pictures up in the uh, the Facebook group as well. That'd be neat to see.
2: Yeah, it should oh, be it's, a it's... crazy experience.
1: It's R U B I N. I'm trying to add you right now, Seth. And uh, yeah. R U B I N, right? Yep. Okay, cool. I thought I was typing R U B E N, and that's uh, someone who seems to speak German. Weird. Huh. Okay, I've added you, Seth. I'm gonna get you, you into the playoffs. Uh, my <laughs> Twitter is uh, is Jacksontegu. You can uh, follow me there, along with my meager band of followers, but very loyal um J A C K S O N T A I G U um and you can read uh my work at uh beyond the box score uh, or royals review on the sb nation network of blogs and uh you know what now I'm not going to give my personal email address or phone number so that's that's all the contact information you guys get from me today
0: well, very cool, guys. I'm excited to watch this series. Uh, one of you guys is going to be the winner, one of you guys is unfortunately going to be the loser. But uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show this week and uh, giving us a very strong preview of what we're going to watch in the next week.
1: Thanks, Ryan. It was uh, it was a blast. Seth, uh, nice to get to know you, and uh, I'll be getting after you during this series.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. And then, yeah, looking forward to seeing who wins this series. Hopefully yeah. it won't end in tears for the Mets.
0: And Left I want to see floor. a ton of smack yeah. talk between you guys. Absolutely a must. So,
1: yeah, gloves are coming off. <laughs> all, right. all
0: right, all right, guys. Well, thank you for any, uh, thank you for joining me this week, and uh, I'll say good luck to both of you guys uh, in the next seven days.
1: Take care, guys. Take care, bye.
0: And that was episode thirty-seven of the Banish to the Pen podcast with my guests Seth Rubin and Matt Jackson. Uh, I want to thank them both for joining me and uh taking any possible ability to jinx their teams in the series uh and, and still joining me so thank you guys and uh i look forward to having you guys on here in the next uh sometime this off season as well uh as i do each week i do want to thank everybody involved um with Banish to the pen the editors the writing staff the technical staff and everybody that's involved um we put out a great product each and every day and i and uh, a lot of people work very hard and uh don't get the uh, appreciation perhaps they, they deserve. So uh, check us out at banishedofthepen.com, download all of our podcasts, and uh, certainly interact with the writers and uh, in the columns. That is it for this week. I am Ryan Sullivan at NatsGM.com on Twitter, reminding you, be nice to your fellow listeners.